Good morning. My name is Doug Doherty, and I'm one of the academic deans here at the university. I have the pleasure of introducing our speaker, Dr. Joel Olufawata. He's an associate professor of political science here at IWU. He also serves as the executive director of the Office of Intercultural Learning and Engagement. Prior to joining us, Joel was an assistant professor of political science at McMurray University in Abilene, Texas, where he quadrupled the political science major in just five years. He also helped launch the Diversity Affairs Council and Center for Community Inclusion at McMurray. Prior to his time at McMurray, Joel spent a year at the Rockefeller, at Rockefeller Postdoctoral Fellow of Comparative Public Policy at the State University of New York. He also served as program assistant for the U.S. State Department. Joel completed his undergraduate degree at the University of Indianapolis and his Ph.D. in political science at the University of Southern Illinois. Joel and his wife, Dr. Rachel Olufawata, uh, reside here in Marion. We're excited about that. When he's not teaching or help foster a more inclusive community at IW, Joel can be found cheering on the Indiana Pacers, all right, Pacers, or trying to keep up with Rachel in the gym. They both share a passion for CrossFit gyms and community. His downtime also includes, as he puts it, being Netflix lazy sometimes. So before Joel comes, uh, we're going to have a scripture reading. After a time, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this, Jesus. If you can do such wonderful things, brother, show yourself to the world. His brothers didn't believe in him yet. So Jesus told them, Now isn't the right time for me to go, but you can go any time. The world can't hate me, but it hates me. It can't hate you, but it hates me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go. I'm not going to this festival because my time hasn't come yet. Jesus remained in Galilee, but after his brothers left for the festival, he also went secretly, staying out of the public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen Jesus. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some said, Oh, yes, he's a good man. But others said, No, sorry, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. About midway through the festival, Jesus goes into the temple and begins to teach. Folks were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? So Jesus said to them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do with the will of God will know if my teaching comes from God or is merely my own. For those who speak for themselves want glory, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you're trying to kill me. The crowd replied, you are crazy. Who's trying to kill you, man? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed, but you did work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. If the right time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it as to not break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface of the law so you can judge correctly. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the guy they were trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public, and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he's the Messiah? 
dear. How could he be the Messiah? We know where this man comes from. And when the Messiah comes, he'll simply appear. No one's going to know where he comes from. Yes, you do know me, and you know where I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him because I come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowd at the temple believed in him. Now that I think about it, they said, Would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? The Pharisees and priests heard the crowds talking about these things and sent the temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I'll be with you a little while longer, and then I'll return to the one who sent me. You'll search for me, but not find me. You can't go where I'm going. The leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where's he going? No clue. Leaving the country and joining Jews in other lands? <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll go preach to the Greeks. <laughs> what did he mean when he said, you'll search for me, but not find me? I don't know. What do you mean when he said, you can't go where I'm going? So on the last day of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted out, Anyone who's thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of flowing water will flow from his heart. When the crowd heard him say this, they said, Surely this man is the prophet that we've been expecting. Others said, Oh, yes. Yes, he's definitely the Messiah. And others said, There is no way this guy from Galilee is the Messiah. <laughs> the scriptures clearly state the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, in the village where King David was born. Am I right? So the crowd was divided. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on Jesus. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, Why didn't you bring him in? Boss, we've never heard anyone speak like this, never. Oh, please. Have you been led astray too? There is not a single one of us who believes in him. <laughs> the idiots in the crowd follow him, but they don't know the law like we do. God's curse is on them. Do you want that too? Nicodemus, the leader who had met Jesus earlier in John 3.16, spoke up and said to them, is it legal to convict a man before he's been given a hearing? Oh, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No, no prophet, prophet comes from, from Galilee, Galilee, Nicodemus. Grady, I'm going to put you in a corner, just like I do in class. Indiana, Wesleyan University, Wildcats, roar! Why hasn't that caught on yet? That really needs to. So I have three different messages prepared for today. I know. Um, so there's three different ways I can go. Um, an option um, 
As you guys know, the, the theme for this week for global awareness is, is thirst. And an option was to proceed that way and talk a little bit about maybe the cultural connotation of thirst. Right? I mean, Indiana Wesleyan, I think, what, 65% female, 35% males. Uh, but... I, that's a slippery slope, so I don't think I'm going to go down that route. Uh, plus, my bosses are watching, so um, let's, let's not do that. As you guys will see, the theme of my message is go with the flow. And whether you believe this or not, my dear wife is here somewhere and she knows this, uh, whether you believe it or not, in high school, I was a rapper. I'm not joking. I was, you can't imagine me being a rapper. In fact, my name was J Flo. Yeah. Now, I don't think there's anything back, there was no YouTube when I was in high school, so um, you guys won't have the opportunity to do some research on that. So, Another option was uh, to start my message with some of my rap lyrics from when I was in high school. Um, well, sorry, no, no, they're not, they're not very Wesleyan lyrics. Uh, again, my bosses are here, so I, I, don't, I don't think I'll go that route. Um, I think the best route for me to go is to recap and put John 7 uh, into context. By the way, uh, it's, it's hard for me to even be up here and continue. That worship was powerful. And that reading by Dr. Wood, Eileen, and Austin was just, I mean, it touched me. So can we give them a round of applause? Because that was really good. Okay, before I get started, would you please all bow your heads with me? God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to speak to such um, a crowd as this one. Lord, I thank you for the lives of each and every single individual in this room. I thank you for the purpose that you've given them in life and as workers for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that the words I speak are from you. I pray that you use me as a vessel to convey um, anything that you will and you want from me today. Lord, I pray for ears um, that are willing to listen. I pray for hearts that are willing to be open. And Lord, I just hope that we are consumers of whatever it is that we collaboratively learn this morning and that we are also able to act upon it in the ways that you call us to. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. All these things we pray in your mighty name. Amen. So John chapter 7 is a pretty interesting chapter. Uh, in essence, it details the last six months of Jesus' ministry on earth. And as you guys can tell, Jesus was a pretty controversial personality in John 7. Um, not that he necessarily himself 
created division or controversy, uh, but just the mere presence of him confused people. And we can see at the beginning of chapter 7, even his brothers doubted whether he was the true Messiah or not. And I think that means it's okay for me to have a controversial message this morning. Um, if Jesus indeed was one who was embroiled at times with controversy. I think it was really interesting when Jesus essentially proclaimed, it is not the time for me to go into Jerusalem. And that struck a chord with me because oftentimes I feel like we operate on our own time and we operate through our own wisdom. And this is clearly scripture that suggests Jesus was not on his own time, he was on the Lord's time. He was on God's time and he told his brothers, even though you want me to go to Jerusalem with you, I'm gonna stay back and I will come at the time that the Lord has purposed me to go there. And that time is not now. When Jesus eventually did enter Jerusalem from Galilee, boy, what his presence was met with significant um, turmoil, so to speak. People didn't know what he was or who he was. There were people there who were trying to kill him. There were people there who were unsure of of whether he was actually the Lord. There were, there were people there who believed that he was the Lord. Um, I'm certain that in Jerusalem at that time, um, at the Feast of Tabernacles, that there were, there were some in Galilee who had migrated to Jerusalem, so had seen and knew of his works. You know, when the great philosopher said, um, how did he say... Um, those who love you and hate you at the same time, that's jealousy. Um, I, uh, that's actually Drake, but um, I felt that. <laughs> and I think that's what we saw in Jerusalem, a mixture of love and hate and people kind of unsure of what Jesus was and, 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 and who he was. Another thing that really ticked people off in Jerusalem was the fact that Jesus had so much knowledge. And he had knowledge that hadn't been learned in the temples. And he went straight to the temple and started preaching this knowledge. And people were like, whoa, buddy, like, where did you get all that information from? He was speaking with authority in ways that no other person had spoken before. Yet, there was knowledge that he wasn't one of the students in the temple. So how can this be? How is it possible to reconcile those two things? People were confused. Is this the Lord? Is this not the Lord? We see a portion in John 7 where Jesus actually uses a loud voice. He cries out. Other versions say he shouts. I am from him. He sent me. 
the Jews in Jerusalem were completely puzzled. The verse that I want to focus on today is John 7, 37 through 39. And even though Dr. Wood and the students read it, I would like to read it again, if that's all right with you guys. Then, on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. So what does this even mean? <laughs> How do we make sense of what is often referred to as the great invitation. Well, I would like to offer one perspective. It's not a unique perspective. Oftentimes we struggle to reconcile Jesus' message as both inclusive and exclusive. Oftentimes, we, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around how Jesus can love all, but only some of us will spend eternity with him. Well, I think this verse speaks directly to that. And I want us to focus on the use of all. Jesus didn't say just blacks, just whites, just Hispanics, just Republicans, just Democrats, just the tall, just the short just the kind, just the angry. He said, all are able to come to me. That is the inclusive nature of Jesus' message. That is the gospel in its essence. Everyone is welcome to come. However, Jesus goes on to say, all you thirsty ones come to me. You know, in Matthew 5, um, often referred to as Jesus' greatest sermon, some of you have already heard me talk about this, um, Jesus discusses or he talks about spiritual poverty. He says, those who are, the, who are poor in the spirit are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's what Jesus is referring to here. It's not poor in the spirit, be mopey and dopey and, and have a negative vibe. I don't, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Do you recognize your spiritual poverty? Do you recognize your need for the Lord? Without it, our own righteousness, Jesus would say, is as dirty as filthy rags. And I think that's what Jesus is getting to here. And I think that's how we can understand or, or put our mind around this, this difficulty in reconciling Jesus' inclusive message and Jesus' exclusive message. Hey, listen, we are all welcome to come to the Lord, but we have to recognize our need for him. 
If we don't recognize our need from him, then there is a ceiling. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like scripture says. Flowing from your innermost being. So I want to talk about this idea, oops, sorry, of going with the flow. Surprise. Um, you know, in today's society, when we think about going with the flow, it's a really passive position. Right? It's, it's really passive. It's really like, well, I'm just going to follow the inertia of the crowd and do what everyone else is doing. It's usually pretty non-confrontational. Right? So, yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow and and hopefully I don't ruffle people's feathers. Or yeah, I'm just gonna go with the flow and, and kind of you know hide to the back or in the corner and not show myself. Or yeah, I'm just gonna go with the flow and do what everyone wants. Well, I don't believe that's Jesus' message here. And this is, that's not the kind of go with the flow I'm talking about. Uh, I will not revisit my rap lyrics in high school. That's not the kind of flow I'm talking about either. I think there are three specific ways that we can go with the flow in a way that will honor the Lord, in a way that will honor community, and in a way that will bring glory back to God. So I think you guys already saw the first one. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. Stay woke! Uh, for my older generation and, and the crowd, uh, sorry, my, for my seasoned colleagues, um, <laughs> stay woke is another way of saying, don't be fooled. And I think that's what Jesus was getting to at this, at this message is, don't be fooled by the things of this world. It will only lead to death. And I know that's strong, but I think it's, I think it's okay for me to use myself as an example. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that there are certain things in this world that I just love. One of them is fashion. Not you, Grady. Fashion! <laughs> um, my wife can attest to that. I, 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 may, I may not <laughs> be the most fashionable person out there, but, but, I, but I just enjoy it. I enjoy looking at it. I, I enjoy buying it. And sometimes if... If I'm in a down mood, then it's not beyond me to, to go to Ross or something and, you know, buy a pair of shoes or, or a shirt or something. Um, but I think what Jesus is saying, I know there's no Ross here, that's criminal. Um, I, think what, I think what Jesus is saying is that these things don't satisfy you. And it could be shoes, it can be fashion, it can be food, it can be politics, it can be, well, actually, Chick-fil-A, that's Jesus' chicken, so maybe that's a bad example. Um, my wife's like, amen. Um, it could be 
McDonald's. Uh, it could be politics. What things, what earthly things do you love and, and just want to engage in with a passion? Well, those things lead to death. Boy, is it a great time to be at Iwu. Uh, and I am so glad to have been here uh, during the 2018 uh, Hudson and Toho fiasco, sign fiasco. Um, now, no, don't get me wrong, it's okay. I think it's fine that, you know, people share their views to some extent. Um, I may not be in favor of the way that it was done, but there's nothing wrong with sharing your views and your passions. But it leads me to ask a question. Are you being led by your political affiliation? Is that your identity? Because if it is, that leads to death. And I'm a political science professor. And I'm telling you, don't be led by your political affiliations. It must be true. Well, it should be true. Oh, by the way, shout out to my political science classes, uh, American government, state politics. I really didn't want to do that, uh, but they asked me to. What is this, the Grammys? Uh, I'd like to thank my state politics class, God. Um, Are you being led with your earthly passions? Is that your utmost identity? Because if it is, you are not organizing them hierarchically correctly. The second way I think that we can go with the flow is to be spirit-led. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. That should be our first priority. Not our political affiliations, not uh, what food we like, not our passions, but are you being led with the Holy Spirit? I'm a recently married man, and boy, did I find out super early in my marriage that I probably wasn't leading with the Holy Spirit. It's a great thing to be married. Trust me, everyone should do it. Um, but you may fall into the risk of you leading with your own passions. Am I honoring my wife the way the Lord intends me to? Are you honoring your colleagues in the way the Lord intends you to? Are you honoring your classmates and your residence hall members in the way the Lord intends you to? Because that should be your primary focus and not what is internally you. My adults in the room, quite frankly, it is up to us to model this. My pastor in Texas, where Rachel and I moved from, would say, people need to look at us and be like, I want some of that. If people are not looking at you that way, then that's a problem. I'm not saying we won't have issues and obstacles come up along the way. I'm not saying being upset and being angry is bad. But ultimately, people should look at us and say, what is going on with that person? Because I want some of that. A third way I believe that we can be we can go with the flow, is by being a change agent. 
flowing from your innermost being suggests that you have a responsibility to others. It suggests that you can't just keep Christ and, and, and keep him to yourself. You have a responsibility to everyone else out there. It needs to flow from your innermost being. It needs to bubble over and it needs to affect other people. You have a responsibility from Christ to others. Point blank. And in conclusion, I know many of you are probably thinking, well, how am I supposed to do these things? Stay woke, um, be spirit-led, and be a change agent. Um, I am happy to sit down with you all to have a cup of coffee and direct you over to Dr. Bray's office uh, to answer those questions. Um, <laughs> come on, let's be frank. He's the expert, not me, right? Uh, however, I do have one practical way, and that practical way that we can be a change agent, all of us today are able to do that this week at IWU. We have the opportunity to be a change agent with spiritual thirst and also actual living water. We have the ability to partner with these organizations who you will see among, uh, along the mallway in Macan. Ooh, I'm two minutes over. Where's the music? Um, you have the ability to partner with these, with these uh, organizations and make change. I will end by saying uh, my father, God bless his soul, rest his soul. He, he passed away about two years ago. He worked for World Vision International, which is a very similar organization to these three that you see uh, on the screen. And he traveled afar to help people in terms of relief. However, his real purpose was to share the gospel. His real purpose was the spiritual thirst. And his undercover operative was relief. I want to challenge all of you. It's, it may seem like a high, daunting task to be a change agent, especially at your age, especially when you don't have uh, a lot of resources. But consider partnering. $1, $2, $5 with these organizations. 